Hello and welcome to Train of Thought. My name is Rob Tobias. My guest today is Lori Trieger, who is running for county commissioner. Zach, have I got that about right? You, we are off to a great start. Yeah. You are right, indeed. Well, <laughs> welcome to Train of Thought. Hopefully we can educate people a little bit about you and maybe about the electoral process and some other things. Yeah, um, great. First of all, you're running for a county commissioner. What is a county? What does a county commissioner do, and why do you want to be one? That is such a great question, and it's actually the most common question I get. I've been uh, started working on running for this office a little over a year ago, and of course, before we had to suspend our door-to-door campaigning due to the COVID-19 outbreak, we had knocked. I had personally knocked over 2,000 doors. Uh, talking with neighbors in the district. And that was the most frequent question I got is, what is a county commissioner? And, um, and I will tell you one of the reasons, uh, one of the things I want to do as your next county commissioner is change that so that more people know who their county commissioner is and what we do. Because county commissioners are making decisions every day that affect working people and seniors and families of every description in our district. The county government is um, fundamentally a service provider. So there's many, many different divisions and departments. Um, The county is a critical piece, for instance, of our public safety puzzle with Mm -hmm. the sheriff's department, the county jail, the DA's office, and our county court system, all being part of county government. Uh, The county is also one of our largest healthcare uh, providers. We have more than 30,000 people who call county clinics, their primary medical home. Mm. The county runs mental uh, and behavioral health services, uh, public health programs, which I want to talk about more because I'm running on a public health equity platform. Um, And the county also manages uh, 69 parks all over the the county, uh, critical infrastructure, 1,400 miles of roads, bridges, uh, public works that keep those roads and bridges safe uh, and sound. So there's many, many public uh, services being delivered by county government that people interact with every day. And now you were, uh, you've actually been involved in Lane County. Were you, you were budget commissioner, is that correct? I was appointed to the budget committee. So this seat is, uh, has been held by Commissioner Pete Sorensen for 24 years. Um, Sorensen is retiring at the end of this year of his term, right. uh, the, the four-year terms, and each county commissioner appoints a budget committee member from the community. So the budget committee for Lane County is made up of 10 people, the five elected commissioners and their five appointed uh, community members. So I served as Commissioner Sorensen's appointee to the budget committee. I see. I also, yeah, I've also served on the county's Equity and Access Advisory Board. So I'm the only candidate in this race specifically with county-level government experience. Yeah, that would seem pretty key. Um, But So when you were talking about some of the services, you're pretty familiar with uh, even the budgets for those services. Correct. And Mm -hmm. and what I would say, you know, to answer the the second part of your introductory question about why I'm running is, I mean, there's kind of two reasons. There's one is like my motivation and the other is the why, what are my qualifications and experience. And in terms of my motivation for running, because it's a lot of work to run, it's going to be a lot of work to serve. But I'm very strongly motivated by my twin grandsons. You know, we've lived in this community for 34 years, raised our two kids here. And now we've got these twin boys, these grandsons, growing up in this community I love. 
And I am motivated to do everything I can to secure a future for them and for generations after them um, where we have safer, healthier um, communities. I want them to have what we had when we moved here, which mm. was, you know, in the 80s, it wasn't that hard for us to find an affordable rental until we saved up to buy a home. Mm-hmm. And we saved up on really modest incomes. Um, Larry and I both had nonprofit careers, right? Not big bucks coming in, but, but enough to meet our basic needs. Yeah. So we had meaningful work, living wages, affordable housing, and we didn't have a lot left over for fancy vacations, but that was okay because we lived here right. where there were abundant hiking trails and well-maintained parks and the river was clean enough to swim in every summer. Yeah. So I want those boys to have what we had when we moved here if they want to put their roots down and stay in this community that they were raised in. And then that would uh, be for everybody's kids. That's and, exactly and right. And grandkids and, and so exactly on. Right. Which brings us to the climate issue too. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a, a pressing one. I don't know um, yeah. how much the, the county gets involved with, with climate issues, but uh, it's certainly something that needs to be addressed and, and not everybody's satisfied with what, what plans have come out so far. That's right. Well, so the county, I mean, every government at every level of government um, action is being taken or inaction that is impacting climate um, and climate change and natural resources. Right. And historically, our county commission has not had the appetite to wade in and explicitly name addressing and mitigating climate change. But that has changed. We have a different makeup on the board um, than we've had over the years. And for the first time ever, the county has hired someone to work with commissioners and with division heads to craft a climate action plan. And so I'm really excited to have the opportunity to serve at a time when we're developing and then implementing that plan. County government has a lot of opportunity in a number of different ways to impact climate change, starting with our very own operations, right? The county public works division um, to one, one really important uh, piece of that is managing our short mountain landfill. Mm-hmm. And landfills are one of the biggest emitters of greenhouse gases, methane gas. And so uh-huh. we have uh, the whole issue with our waste stream and our plastics recycling programs all falls within county government operations and is a huge opportunity to impact our, our environment as Mm -hmm. well as the county's vehicle fleet. The county owns a a service fleet of trucks and cars, and um, we need to put those on an aggressive replacement plan to convert um, our our gas combustion engine fleets to electric um, and other alternative fuel source vehicles. Um, The county also oversees a lot of infrastructure and building projects, and there's a tremendous opportunity to work with reclaimed and least toxic materials when it comes to building. And then those 69 county parks I mentioned all have to be uh, managed and we can be managing our parks in, um, you know, using uh, best practice, least toxic um, controls for pest and herb and um, invasive species management. So there's, there's a lot of ways that county government can be impacting climate and protecting natural resources. So this election for uh, county commissioner and the, our primary is not too far off, May 19th. That's right. Three which weeks mean, Which means we'll be, we'll be getting our ballots soon. Mm-hmm. And uh, I understand now there's even postage paid. I don't ever, ever remember that before. But that's right. Can, this is the first time. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, so no excuse not to vote this time. That's, that's right. That's right. 
Yeah. Um, well, I was going to say, you know, we're, we're also here in the middle of this pandemic and everybody's staying at home. I'm just wondering how you obviously you probably had a plan on what you wanted to do and running for office. And yeah. this uh, you you probably have to come up with a new plan. I mean, what That's, tell me how it's affected you and what, what yeah. you're doing or what, and what you couldn't do, you know, because of this. Yeah. Great question. That's exactly right. You know. Um, one thing that I'm learning, right, is like this is a great dress rehearsal. When you're in elected office in any kind of leadership, um, you have to stay, you have to have a really clear plan. You have to know what you're trying to, what your goal is, build a plan to get there, but you also have to stay nimble and be able to um, retool and adjust quickly because conditions can't change and resources change. And that has certainly been the case with this campaign. Um, so, I filed initially with the Secretary of State's office declaring that I was going to run for this seat in March of 2019. So it's been 14 months um, that I've been working towards this goal of winning this seat. And um, I have been working steadily and focused. And the, the most important thing you do when you're running for office is connect with constituents, right? You need the votes to win. And you have to raise money to get those votes because what money does for you is it allows you to, for me, in my case, pay a living wage to a campaign manager who can help with identifying the voters that we need to talk to, um, mm -hmm. printing up the materials to send to those voters, hosting a website, all the ways in which we can communicate um, what our platform is, what our experience is, and um, why we're the best person for the job. It's basically a long-term public job interview and you need some resources to reach the interview panel, which is the constituents of the district. So I've been working steadily and hard and I'm really glad I started early because when we had to switch gears and go into shelter in place mode, we already had a really strong and robust um, group of individuals, organizations like uh, uh, environmental groups, pro-choice groups, labor unions, including our firefighters and grocery workers and our graduate teaching fellows, all lined up behind us with support. And as I mentioned earlier, we had already been out knocking on doors and met over 2,000 people in the district. We've had to completely readjust and retool. We've got much more active online presence with Facebook, with a YouTube channel, with Twitter, uh, with our weekly email program. I do a Sunday morning Coffee with the Candidate Facebook Live um, every week, and then those are uploaded and saved onto the Facebook page and the YouTube channel, just every way we can to communicate with constituents about what they can count on me um, to do and what I stand for. Mm -hmm. The other important thing is, as you mentioned, right, mail-in elections, no excuse, and this is the first time um, postage will be prepaid on, on the ballots, but people still have to fill those little bubbles in, and the further down the ballot you go to these local offices, the harder it is to capture people's attention. Right. But this is really important because the county commission seats, just like the mayor and city council, these are nonpartisan seats. So I've been a Democrat for almost 40 years, but the seats are not party seats, which means there's not a primary in, each, in, in different parties to see who's going to run off in November. In theory, a person can win the seat outright on May 19th. Any one candidate who gets over 50% of the vote, even if it's just 50% plus one vote, is the only name on the ballot in the November election. Yeah. Otherwise, the top two vote getters have to run off in November. 
And the reason I want to avoid a runoff is campaigns are expensive and they take a lot of attention from the community. And this is a big election year in November. We have a little thing called a presidential election <laughs> happening. <Yeah. laughs> we have a lot of legislative seats um, that, will be, that will be contested. Um, and any number of other important issues for people to focus on, let alone recovering from this pandemic and getting our um, economy retooled and up and running and getting people's basic needs met. So it's really important to me to do everything I can to try to get over that 50% threshold on May 19th so I can get to work and be useful to community and not have to go back and raise all that resource and engage all those volunteers from my campaign all over again, but redirect them to some other campaigns for the fall. Yeah. Um, if you're just tuning in, I'm talking with Laurie Trigger, who's running for county commissioner uh, for the South Eugene seat, which is being vacated by Pete Sorensen. And it's, now, it's probably the most progressive area uh, of the county. And right. so I know you have, what, just two other candidates running or are there, are there more? There will be four names on the ballot altogether, including uh, mine. I see. Mm -hmm. And so everybody's kind of trying to tout their progressive uh, agenda or whatever but uh, and I I looked at some of the other candidates and there was a little confused because I think there's endorsements from similar things on mm -hmm. two candidates how how can that be how can the same people yeah. endorse more than one candidate yeah you know every individual and every organization gets to decide for themselves how they want to um, show support for any given candidate and it's not uncommon for yeah. some organizations and some uh, individuals to lend their support to two different candidates if they think either I, person would be a good choice for different reasons. I see. It's it, what I would also, there's a couple things I would say. Um, you know, you're right. This is the most progressive seat on the commission historically. Mm -hmm. And so voters are going to have to dig a little deeper. Right. And it's, it comes down not only to, are you a progressive? And I'm putting air quotes around that, but you can't see on a podcast. Yeah. But also, you know, are the issues that you've worked on, does the experience that you have directly relate to what a county commissioner actually has jurisdiction over? Mm -hmm. um, and does the, the type of endorsements and support you have demonstrate that you have a broad enough base of support that you can reach across different interests and sectors and issues um, and that you have those re intergovernmental relationships and community relationships to get the, the heavy lifting done? Yeah, um, right. And I'm really proud of the support and endorsements that I've garnered. And that's really based on and rooted in my um, 25 years of work in this community, working on critical basic human needs and economic fairness campaigns. Um, Let's talk a little bit about that, because yeah. with this pandemic, especially people out of work. And I mean, we're seeing even more tense people living on the, on the streets and yep. uh, Housing is going to be even more affordable. Housing is a huge issue in our That's area. Right. Uh, right. What 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 kind of plans do you have around that? Yeah, great, great, and important question. So, housing and homelessness are um, connected, but they're not the same issue, and they don't have the same solutions. I mean, even if we could wave a magic wand and have everyone who's unhoused today have a place to live tomorrow, if we don't do anything else differently, we'll be right back here in uh -huh. a few years. Um, and, and that's for a couple of reasons. One, uh, first and fundamentally, and from an infrastructure perspective, we're just underbuilding. We don't have enough 
uh, inventory, enough units of housing at all different income levels, right? So clearly yeah. not more affordable, lower income and subsidized housing, but even for sort of middle income and starter family homes and for rentals. So we just have a straight up uh, lack of inventory. We have a demand that greatly outstrips supply. So what, what can government do to encourage people to build lower, you yes. know, affordable housing? Yeah. So another thing that the county is just beginning to work on is undertaking the first ever housing action plan. Um, I'm also really interested in being really thoughtful and intentional about where we build and infill and creating um, neighborhoods where people can take care of more of their basic needs within walking and biking distance of their housing. So there's, there's a lot around the housing piece. Um, and then in terms of uh, also, as I said, process pieces like permitting and, and land use. But the other really important piece of that, the, the housing or the homelessness piece, you know, we have systematically, historically, over time, defunded critical behavioral, you know, mental health services and addiction treatment. Yeah. And so more and more people living on the streets are, are really evidently struggling with mental illness and addiction. Yeah. So that's a really important piece. The other is that wages simply have not kept up with the cost of living. Yeah. And I've worked on a number of important campaigns to raise our minimum wage, to create a retirement security program, to protect workers against things like wage theft and to secure fair scheduling. We need to work on uh, childcare affordability, and we really just need to elevate and value care overall more mm -hmm. I mean, as a culture and also economically. The, um, the sheer number of uh, almost without exception predominantly women and especially women of color who are providing unpaid care for uh, family members as well as as their profession in care homes and childcare settings and are woefully undercompensated for that work has our whole economy out of out of balance yeah and speaking of of, of women's issues especially maybe talk about some of the hoops you've had to jump through to run for office uh, um, <laughs> that might be different for a woman i don't know i mean i i, I would obviously hope that it would There'd be equality on those kind of things, but I know a lot of women have been motivated in the last few years to run. What kind of obstacles or, or yeah, just talk about the process and, and you know, sure. uh, there's also a class thing, obviously, it takes money to run. That's right. That's right. Well, so there's a couple things about that, I would say. I mean, first, I'm going to say that it takes money to run, but, you know, the, the money that candidates raise doesn't go to the candidate. The, the money goes to helping get the message out. And I've been in nonprofits for 25 years in this community, and I've done a lot of fundraising. And the way that you're successful when you do that is you have a compelling message. You are demonstrating, you understand what the community need is, and you, can, you are convincing people that you can help meet that need, and people want to get on board with that. Money is really just energy. It's another way of people um, being involved and, and committing to something. I'm really proud of the money I've been able to raise um, almost 500 contributions mm -hmm. that range in size from individuals. I have raised, you know, from $10 to $1,000 with most people giving about a hundred at a time. And then organizations um, have supported me financially as well because they know that our values are aligned and, and they want to, they want to see me in this seat as a woman running specifically. We definitely face barriers that are the same as we face everywhere else in terms of, people taking us seriously, 
people wanting to first have a, an opinion about the tone of our voice or the expression on our face or the way we're dressed. You know, the issues that we work on are just fundamental bread and butter issues that affect families of every description. And we bring that lived experience um, as people who have, you know, for me personally, I have worked a number of low wage jobs before I got into my nonprofit career. I've never benefited from union protection, but I sure could have used it. I've definitely you know, cleaned uh, office buildings at night. I've worked in restaurants. Um, I've definitely been the victim of sexual harassment on the job and had uh, unsafe working conditions and substandard wages. So um, I understand issues, and I think women also bring a certain leadership style to um, group settings that is sorely needed in these really polarized times. Um, I think women are much more likely to be focused on contribution versus attribution, mm -hmm. which is basically a way of saying we don't lead with our <laughs> egos so we can name all the things we've done. We've done, we lead with um, results in mind and trying to improve yeah. community conditions. Mm -hmm. You were talking about fundraising and what made me think about your website. You might, might be a good time to mention uh, yes. where, where, where people can find uh, info about you online. Thank you. I would I'd love for folks to check out. The website is just my name, laurietrieger.com, and that's L-A-U-R-I-E-T-R-I-E-G-E-R, laurietrieger.com. Mm -hmm. You can learn more about the work I've done in the community, the organizations I've been involved with, my values. Um, and my vision for Lane County, the issues I want to work on. You can see uh, all the organizations and individuals and elected leaders who are standing with me. And you can also click the Get Involved button and be part of this movement to bring um, a real public health focused framework um, to bring greater equity and improve health outcomes for everyone in our communities. You click that Get Involved button. You can send an email right to me. Uh, you can sign up to host a lawn sign. You can um, help us by connecting with your networks to tell them why you're supporting me, all kinds of ways to get involved. And you can sign up for our weekly um, campaign updates, which there's only a few more yeah. editions of that going out before the May 19th election. And are there anything like forums scheduled? Are there anywhere you're appearing with and, you know, yeah. other candidates? Thanks for that. So that's what I'm missing the most, right? Not only being out on the doors talking to people, but being at community events where usually at this time of year, neighborhood groups and everybody would be hosting these candidate forums. So a few organizations have found a way to do those online. Um, the Eugene Chamber of Commerce did one with all four of us candidates uh, on a Zoom video conference together. There's actually one coming up tomorrow evening. We put all that on our Facebook page, which is Elect Lori Trieger. So we link to those and... Um, and also the YouTube channel, Elect Laurie Trigger, so people can catch those videos that way. I see. And then I do my Sunday morning candidate coffees, uh, 10.30 on Facebook Live. Maybe uh, just talk a little bit more about, about yourself, and I know you've mentioned you work non, for nonprofits, but maybe <laughs> specifically, and just anything about yourself that you think people might, might find interesting. Yeah, well, I lived in Eugene, in, in the district, um, since the mid 80s and raised two kids here um, and uh, now have these twin grandsons growing up here. I love this community. I really um, feel so committed and through my work in nonprofits have been doing what I can to make things more fair, more equitable 
safer and healthier. I worked for Food for Lane County for seven years, mm. doing outreach locally and regionally to uh, increase access to food and reduce poverty in our communities. I left Food for Lane County to run a public health nonprofit called ELCHE, the Lane Coalition for Healthy Active Youth. Mm. And that's really when I first started thinking about becoming a county commissioner because the commissioners are our health authority. The county commission is our board of health. And we have a lot of opportunity to, to, to focus on prevention programs and good public health policy to give more people a fair shot at a healthier life. Um, I have also done work with a number of organizations familiar to people, including Mount Pisgah Arboretum, which is a partnership with Lane County because it's co-located in a county park. Yeah. I currently work at Sponsors, which is an organization that helps folks um, with conviction histories reintegrate into community after incarceration. I think most significantly in between, I worked for a statewide organization called Family Forward, and it was with that organization that I led the coalition and ran the campaign to pass our paid sick time law in the city of Eugene and in the state of Oregon. And of course, when we did that, we knew working families needed to not have to risk losing their job to stay home with a sick child or to get themselves to a cancer treatment appointment or what have you, but we had no idea important a policy like that would turn out to be in a time um, such as we're experiencing now. So I'm really proud of, of my work. Great. Well, we've covered a lot of ground. Day one, when you get elected in that first meeting, what, what's, your, what's your first issue? What are you going to bring up? Well, I'm really glad you asked that because that's often what people want to know. What's your first issue? And what I am offering is rather than naming an issue or, yeah. or a, a priority is a framework. Uh -huh. I want to bring this public health equity framework to the county because every decision county commissioners make and every policy and every budget line item, if we look at it through a public health equity lens, we will get really different results than we've had historically. If every time we ask the questions, who will be helped by this policy or program? Who will potentially be harmed by this policy or program? And how are we communicating about this policy or program, which is another way of saying who's involved in, in um, helping us understand what, what's needed. When we do that, when we, when we take that kind of approach and that kind of lens and we focus on public health and the best possible health outcomes, we start doing very different things when it comes to economic policy, environmental policy, housing policy, because all of those things impact our, our health is the bottom line. And so it's that framework and that approach that I'll bring to every issue rather than prioritizing a top issue, which by definition then leaves dozens and dozens right, of issues right. off the table. Yeah, it's kind of a gotcha question now that I think about it, but yeah, but it was a good answer. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and thanks for doing this interview. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, my guest has been Lori Trieger, running for county commissioner. Thanks, Lori. Thank you so much, Rob. It was great to talk with you. Really appreciate it being a guest on your show. You've been listening to Train of Thought. My name's Rob Tobias. Till next time. Train of Thought can be heard on KEPW 97.3 in Eugene. It's also posted on soundcloud.com slash Rob Tobias. For comments and suggestions, email rob at robtobias.com.